Um, but tonight we're, we're finishing out uh, the, the storyline of the Bible, right? We started in the beginning, we end with the end. It, it only makes sense here. Um, so what I've been trying to convince you of for the last 16 weeks, it's been a year, right? A school year is that the Bible isn't a bunch of disconnected stories, right? You have Daniel in the lion's den. You have Abraham sacrificing Isaac. You have um, Peter casting his net on the other side of the boat and catching fish. You have, I don't know, Paul and Silas being sent on the missionary journeys. And you have all of these stories from junior church and VBS and Sunday school. And this is kind of like, here's a bunch of disconnected episodes, and I don't really know how we fit these together. And what I've been trying to do is convince you that the Bible isn't a bunch of disconnected stories, but it's one big story that's connected through this storyline of God saving his people through, you know, arrows pointing forward to Jesus. Hey, we have bad kings. We need a good king. We have bad judges. We need a good judge. We have bad prophets. We need a good prophet. Or uh, arrows pointing backwards to the cross of, okay, now that Jesus came, how do we get his message out to the world and how do we understand it? Um, I'm just curious. Has it been helpful? Have you made some of those connections over the last year? Blank stairs, I'm going to take. So, eh, I feel like Dan wants me to say yes. So, yeah, we'll we'll take it. All right. yeah, so we have a giant story. And like any good story, the story comes to an end. Um, so, so there's a few ways we could go about this. We could flip to the book of Revelation, which I'm not opposed to doing. Um, but that's not what we're going to do. Because I think we kind of get... When we say, okay, we're talking about the end times, the, the fancy word for this is eschatology. Esca, meaning last eschatology, ology, eschaton, last, eschatology, the study of last things, can't read that. Uh, give me the high points of the end of the world. <laughs> that seems like a weird question. Everybody's dead. Okay, everybody dies. What else we got? Destruction. Yeah, Chloe. Maybe it will be quiet. Might be quiet. Like after everyone's dead. What do you mean? Or there's, you know, silence at the seventh seal, whichever we mean. Alice, what do you got? Okay, culture is gone. No! What were you going to say, Owen? A study of the last things, the end times. Anything else happening at the end of the world that seems maybe important that involves somebody coming back on the white horse? Like Jeremy got some. Yeah, Jesus comes back. That's a good thing. All right, what else we got? Okay, New Earth. And yep. Okay, perfect bodies. Jeremy. Judgment. Judgment. That's J. 
uh, what are the options of judgment? Heaven and hell. Heaven and hell, yeah, death, life. That's not H. Man, I cannot write today. All right. You guys know about as much as I do about Revelation. So that's why we're not going. Like, we, we get the high points, right? We, have you guys seen, like, they, you don't watch, like, the really bad end of the world movies anymore, do you? Like, I'm not showing them. Did you watch those when you were in youth group? Like, like, like think made-for-TV movie, but make it worse and have it about the end of the world. And, you know, Jesus coming back. And they're real not great movies. Yeah, what's up? I was just in a movie that Right, that's not in the Bible. We don't have aliens coming yeah. back. But we do have some crazy stuff happening. So yeah, we kind of get the high points of okay, what's all this? gonna look like there's a lots of judgment natural disasters war famine death um there's judgment um basically everything's destroyed including culture and anime um there's a judgment um of the righteous who are in christ go to heaven the wicked go to hell and then there's a perfect bodies in the new heavens and the new earth like that that's kind of the end of the world in a nutshell but i have 50 more minutes so what we're going to talk about is okay so when jesus comes back right that that's the big that's the headline event what does that actually mean for us because um because when we look at the book of revelation just by itself there's there's a lot of things that are unclear to us there's there's a lot that's clear there right um but like even even like um Mr. Miller talked about this morning like there's there's no purpose trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back because like nobody knows so what we want to do tonight is talk about okay what do we know that's going to happen what's going to be the result of Jesus coming back and uh, I think we have at least five five things that we should be looking forward to when Jesus returns so five five points for this evening. Actually, let me pray for us because this is, this is weighty stuff and we need the Lord's help. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you that we have a hope to look forward to that um, when, when Christ returns and when human history on, on this earth is done, um, your righteousness will prevail. Evil won't go unpunished justice won't be withheld suffering will be done away with and um and those who have trusted for you trusted you for their salvation will be with you in glory um i pray that this hope would sustain us in difficulties and i pray for those that don't have this hope that don't know christ as their savior lord i pray that this hope would be something beautiful, something that they desire and that they would come to you because of the promises that you make to them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So five things that happen when Jesus returns. Um, so first, we'll see the Lord in glory. Um, how about somebody goes to Matthew 24? Like, Who needs a Bible? Anybody need a Bible? Anyone else? Bible, Bible, Bible. Hey, Bible. Okay. 
And who's going to Matthew 24? So Ma Max is going to Matthew 24, which means Josiah is going Titus 2.11. Thirty and thirty-one. Hey, hang on. Let let people get there first. Titus, what? Internet's crappy. Two, eleven through fourteen. So we're going Matthew twenty-four, thirty, and thirty-one first. All right. All right. So go ahead and read Matthew twenty-four, thirty, and thirty-one. All right, so Jesus says some stuff about what happens when he comes back. And one of the things is that the Son of Man, Jesus, will come on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, right? Everybody will see him, um, and he'll gather his elect, his people, the Christians, from one end of the earth to the other. Um, and then we got Titus 2.11 through 14, which Josiah's about to read to you. I'll throw it up there in case you're not there. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodly and world, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the, the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify purify for himself a people for his own position who are as us for goodness. All right. So, so we'll see the Lord in glory, right? We have here, you know, we're supposed to be waiting for the blessed hope, which is the appearing of the glory of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, right there in the, I'm going to guess verse 13. I should have left the numbers up there. And so what, what does this mean? Why does this matter? Because in theory, right, we should want to see the person that we love. It, it's not, not that difficult. We should want to see them in person, in, in glory. And Jesus, when he came the first time, his glory was kind of veiled by taking on fleshly humanity. And while he's still human, he hasn't changed when he returns, he won't be scorned and, you know, beaten. He'll still have the wounds from the cross, but he'll be shown as glorious. Like, like when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter and James and John, and he shone with glory. That's how Jesus is coming back. Um, it's something we look forward to. Uh, I, I love Titus here, right? For the grace of God has appeared. So Jesus came once as the grace of God, bringing salvation to all people. And he trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. What does it look like to live a godly life? I mean, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, like all of that stuff. But also, we should be people who are waiting for the appearing of glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why would we wait for him to come back? Because he gave himself to redeem us from lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. Meaning... 
Jesus's return isn't just kind of like something we add on to the message of the gospel. It's part of the message of Jesus and his kingdom that he went away for a little bit and he's coming back and we should be excited. We should be waiting. We should be looking forward to that. Um, so let me, let me give you a, a picture on no one's married here except Christy is is good because that'd be weird if you weren't especially given you know <laughs> the illustration um generally speaking you're you're gonna see you know groom's gonna see the bride for the first time at one of two times uh either when they open the doors at the back of the sanctuary and she starts walking down the aisle or if you want to do pictures ahead of time you're going to do a first look where um you know, you're all dressed up and the photographer's there. And that's what we did, right? So I'm standing here by this fountain and like, I haven't seen Chrissy in her wedding dress. I haven't seen her since rehearsal. She hasn't seen me. She can see the back of my beautiful head. I'm really glad I'm out of focus too. Like <laughs> Josh did a good job on taking those pictures. Um, and you know, she's going to sneak up behind me, tap me on the shoulder and we're going to see each other and, and get pictures and super romantic and all that. So at, at this moment in time, am I happy or sad to turn around? Happy. 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 Yeah. Like who's, who's not happy? Like that maybe we should do a little bit more premarital counseling and push the, uh, the wedding back if you're not happy at this time. Right. It, it should be, it should be something we long for, something we're eager for to see the person that we love come and be, be united with them. This should be the longing of Christians. I mean, there's this theme. I have all my notes on this slide. Like, you don't get rid of me and Chrissy for a minute. Um, this theme all throughout the Bible of, like, Moses goes and talks to God. He's on the mountain. He says, Lord, show me your glory. Like, I want to see the Lord in glory. And God says, that's not how it works, Moses. Like, you can't see my glory and live. I'll walk by you. You can see my back. But, like, that's the most you can handle. Elijah does the same thing. Uh, David in the Psalms writes, in your presence is the fullness of joy. Um, the one thing I've asked is to dwell in the house of the Lord and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Or 1 Timothy says that Christians should be eagerly awaiting Christ's return. And so, so these longings that we have are going to be fulfilled. We get to be with the one we love. It's like, you know, the homesick soldier away at war finally getting to come home to his family. We get to see Jesus. And like, I feel like this isn't something we think about often, right? Like, we know this is good. It's a good thing that Jesus returns and we should want it. But, you know, summer break is closer and a little bit more exciting than Jesus coming back. Am I, am I crazy there? Is that kind of how most people feel so how here? how close were you on that picture? Ten feet. But is that a good, is that a good, like, yeah, Jesus coming back is good, but, like, I don't think about it often. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, which is maybe not the most healthy thing. Um, so if I'm standing here and Chrissy's here, right here is Papa John's personal office. This is in Anchorage Park in Louisville. That's where we had our first date. Huh? The Papa John has a personal office. I think he owns this park. And yeah, we're in Papa John's backyard um, taking this picture. 
But but when we see Jesus, we don't just get Jesus. There, there's more stuff, right? I have five points. Number number two, we'll be profoundly changed. This is this is good. Um, so let's go. All right, we're just gonna throw all of these up. We'll do one at a time. First John three two. Somebody read this. I don't care who. Just Jeremy's going fast. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what will we be and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see him as he is. Alright, so this is cool. We're not like we're going to be, which is good news, right? Everybody gets to be new and improved. Um, but when do we get to be like Jesus? When are we transformed? It, it's right, This isn't a trick question. This should be not difficult if you're looking at the verse. When do we get to be like Jesus? When do we get to be like? Oh, I'm gonna turn my pen off. When do we get to be like Jesus? This is not. Why? Because we'll see His glory face to face, not just His back. Yeah, because when we see Him, we'll become like Him, which is amazing, right? To be like. Well, Jesus can't fly, but um, it's not a bad question, though. Let me let me go here. Um, so Philippians 2, or Philippians 3, 20 and 21, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And then we'll throw in um, 1 Corinthians 15. Somebody read this one. Yeah. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We should not all sleep shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trump trumpet will, will sound, sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Alright, so, so we have this, this truth that we're going to be profoundly changed. What does this actually look like? <laughs> it's, you know, it's not super clear. Can we fly? I don't know. I, I, I would guess no. Um, but Jesus is body, right? If we're going to be transformed from lowly bodies to be like his glorious body, Jesus did things like walking through the walls in Acts to talk to the, no, in, in John to talk to the disciples. He kind of defied some physical properties, right? So, so I don't know what this looks like. There's a lot of mystery still here. Um, but we know we'll be changed, right? Our bodies will be changed, so things like sickness and death are gone. Um, there's, but I think more so, we're changed in the way that our souls are, right? Instead of being people who sin, we'll be people who are purified and holy. We'll not be weighed down by sin and sorrow. I mean, to go back to Titus, right? Jesus created us to be pure and when he comes, we actually will be. I mean, it, like instantly. When, when he comes, we'll see him and we'll be changed. How quickly? In the twinkling of an eye. Whatever. I don't know. I, does your eye twinkle? Like, I guess it does. I don't know what that means, but it's fast. That's, that's the emphasis we're getting it. 
I think it's like a blank. Yeah. So, um, so we're gonna be able to in heaven. We're gonna be able to walk on water. Is that true? Maybe. Well, or can you wait for that? No. So, um, but our our souls will be changed. We'll be holy. Um, we'll be free from sin. We'll be free from pain. So it's kind of this fitting conclusion. So like now, if you're a Christian, you should be striving for holiness. And I mean, if you're like me, you're kind of frustrated a lot of times because you're like, man, I've been a Christian for a while now. Like it's been, it's been a minute since VBS when I got saved. I thought by the time I was 13, 14, 15, like I'd be over some of these sins and I'm not. Or, you know, by the time I thought I was 32, I'd be over some of the sins and I'm not. Like, it took me a week to get over COVID and it's taken me 30 some years. and I'm still not over anxiety and anger and all the sins that I have. Like, I'm here fighting, you're fighting. And it's just like, it's frustrating that we're not getting there. But when Jesus comes, what happens? We, we pass through the tape. We cross the finish line. We get there. Jesus will come and accomplish everything. So it's not only that we see Jesus in his glory, but we're transformed to be like Jesus in his glory. Um, which leads to number three. We'll have ever-increasing pleasure. Um, so let me... Let me let me go here. We'll, we'll see Jesus, we'll become like Jesus, and we'll rejoice like Jesus. So, let me throw all this up here. Uh, Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So God is the fountain of joy. If we want pleasure, we find it in God. Jesus says these things, uh, the, the words of the gospel, the words of salvation, I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy might be full. Okay, so God is the fullness of joy. Yes? Jesus is God. Yes? Jesus doesn't just say, I want you to be happy because you know me. He says, I want my infinite fullness of joy to be in you so that our joy might be full. So our, you know, our capacity to handle joy right now is full and overflowing because there's more joy in Jesus than we can handle, than we can store because we're human and not infinite. We're not the fullness of joy. Um, but Jesus says, I'm going to transform you. You're going to be profoundly changed and you're going to be profoundly changed into a person, into a creature that can hold infinite, ever-increasing joy, not to the level of our human capacity, but of his capacity, his joy in us, right? Right now, it's like we're trying to dump a swimming pool into a shot glass and like the joy doesn't fit, but Jesus will transform us so that we can handle all of who he is. And I think this is part of the reason that we have to be transformed to be like him is because we can't handle the fullness of Jesus if we weren't transformed. Um, so, so let me ask you this. Has anybody ever thought of heaven? Yep. Yes. Okay, good. And thought like, okay, this will be cool for a minute. And then like, I don't know how long I can deal with just, you know, like it feels like, like I know I'm not going to be an angel on the cloud playing a harp, but I don't know what I'm going to do. And like every video game I've gotten, I've played it for a while and I got bored of it. Like I'm probably going to get bored in heaven. And it, like, 
Honestly, have anybody ever thought that? Um, not for a minute. For, for a minute. I mean, this is something that even like non-Christian philosophers are like, if there's an afterlife, it can't be that good because eventually it's going to get boring and we're going to need to just move on to something new. Um, like 10,000 years in, it was fun at first, but like, let's move on. But, but I think Ephesians 2 is really, really helpful here. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's like what, okay, when you're ahead and, and it's like ten thousand years and then you remember like your childhood, I just want what it's gonna feel like. It would be cool to think about it. Yeah. And that's again uh It's like ten like, Ask me in ten thousand years, right? In my, I'm like okay, I'm like ten like ten thousand and like eighty six years old. Yeah. Yeah. You know. You're like ten thousand and twelve, like Okay, that's, that's cool, 10,013. Um, so I think Ephesians helps us in this. Maybe it's going to be a little bit, it's going to get old. It's going to be boring. Because Ephesians 2 says this. It says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised him up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're, we're all familiar with that. But verse 7 says, so that, so Jesus raised him up, he saved us, so that in the coming ages, right, that's eternity, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So if Jesus has immeasurable riches, how long will it take for us to explore the ends of them? Forever, right? This is why we need heaven to go on forever. It's so we can reach the end of the immeasurable riches of Christ, right? New gifts every single day. We never reach the end of it. It never gets stale. It never gets boring because we're always trying to discover more and more of the riches of Jesus' grace and his kindness. Right? Why does eternity have to be eternal? so that we can cover it. Like, we're not given 10,000 years of riches or 20,000 years of riches or 30,000. We're given riches of kindness and grace forever and ever, right? So I, I always think of, like, Ebenezer Scrooge at the end of A Christmas Carol, right? Like, how Tiny Tim's family, not in good circumstances, right? But then Ebenezer Scrooge wants to be like, hey, I'm changed. I'm not, I'm not a Scrooge anymore. Like, I'm... I'm now giving out Christmas geese to everyone. And like Christmas, he gives the Cratchit, Cratchits? Marley's, Cratchits. Cratchits a goose. And then like the next day, like how does he show his kindness? I don't know. He gives Jacob Marley, Bob Cratchit a raise. And Jacob Marley is dead as a doornail, dead. Um, the next day, how does he do it? And like eventually like Scrooge dies and his kindness fades away. But like how would you like to be the person in the family where God's like, I want to show this person how gracious and kind I am towards them forever. Does that seem like a good place to be? That's called being saved. That's called being a Christian. If you're a Christian, that means God's going to show how gracious he is to you 
forever and he needs forever. Otherwise, there's kindness left ungiven. Um, so we get all of this kindness from God and pure, everlasting, and increasing pleasure. Not just us. Is this last one? Nope, we've got two more. Um, not just us, but the universe gets God's kindness too. Um, the universe will be freed from bondage. So you guys, you've, what have you lived through? What natural disaster? You've lived through COVID. Oh, you have a question. Yeah. Is there other life? Um, so there's no, there's no other creatures created in the image of God that receive God's salvation. Um, but like Isaiah speaks of in the new heavens and the new earth, the lion lays down with the lamb and, you know, the toddler plays over the snake hole and doesn't get bit. Um, so maybe that's figurative of there's peace in creation or maybe that means there's lions and lambs and snakes um who knows but we do see like so right now the universe isn't as it should be right you've you've lived through covid you've lived through you haven't lived through sri lanka massive tidal wave tsunami on christmas that's like 2012. you're alive you're Okay, so you're five. Um, what? Well, I have no idea how old you guys are. You're like... We're at least 13. What, what kind of major natural disasters do you remember? Okay, recession, sure. You lost all of your retirement back then in, in 2008, yeah. Okay, so you know... You know, you know Katrina, you know Ivan, you know Ike, all the big hurricanes. Um, that was the year after Katrina. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's hurricanes often. Um, okay. Right, yeah. That's not too long ago. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, massive earthquake in Haiti in 2012 or something, a couple years ago. And just, yeah, just this year. Yeah, like, yeah, like 2021, like last summer, last fall. Yeah, 2019 when all of Australia was on fire. Um, no, that was 2020. That was end of 2019, early 2020. Um, like you guys understand the fact that like things aren't right, bad stuff happens, um, because creation is affected by our sin, right? Like the koala bears in Australia didn't sin to deserve forest fire. Like we sinned and we broke the world. Um, you got a question? I was just going to say, Eve started the whole thing. Yeah, this is, this is... At, Adam and, Eve. Adam and Eve work together to break the world. That's Adam and Eve, not just one of them. Both. Well, well we, can, we can hash this out later of where responsibility falls. Um, right? So, like, creation's going to be fixed when 
when Jesus returns, right? I already mentioned our bodies are going to be glorified. The, the world will be too. And like, we're not waiting on the world to be glorified. It's waiting on us. We broke it. So when Jesus eliminates sin from us, then the world will be redeemed. Um, let me, Romans eight nineteen says it this way. So creation is waiting with eager longing, not for Jesus to return, but for the revealing of the sons of God, which will happen when Jesus returns. Um, here's why. Creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be set free from bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So, so creation's groaning. It's in pain. It's, it's subjected to sin just like we are. And when, when Jesus returns, when Christians are revealed in glory, creation gets fixed. Um, I mean, fixed might not be the best word there. Second uh, Peter tells us it's going to come when the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Um, and then we get a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. But it makes sense, right? If you want a perfect world, you've got to do something with sin. Like, judge it, burn it, get rid of it. So that the new can come in. We got questions. Um, what does it mean when like heaven will also be burned? Like they're gonna make a new heaven. Like heaven So um I I think when we're talking new heavens and heavenly bodies, we're talking about like stars and planets oh. and comets and all that stuff. Um, and not heaven as a dwelling place of God. Usually in the Bible, not completely all the time, but usually if it says heavens with an S, um, heavens, we're talking about space. And if we're talking about heaven with no S, we're talking about where God's presence specially dwells. Um, yeah. I've got two questions. Lincoln's going to kill me. Uh-huh. Where is it going to be? Down here. Uh, we will, that is point number five, so we'll get there in just a second. And, uh, and, no, and, sorry, and the weird question is, if this makes you uncomfortable, but what am I going to wear? I kind of really want to wear a toga. Don't know on that one. I thought your weird question was going to be a weird question. Like, I've gotten weird questions before. So all that weird, like, um... Or like a jeans and like a in like a t-shirt and like a sweatshirt that says uh, I love God or something. Like if if it's perfect, let's just say the perfect outfit with perfect weather is hoodie and shorts. But who knows? Um, shorts and hoodie weather is the best. Um, but yeah, no idea what clothing's gonna look like. Um, so where are we at? So anybody's parents watch like Fixer Upper type shows? Anybody actually love? Who secretly loves watching Fixer Upper shows? I do. I like Chip's antics are fantastic. I want to be Chip when I grow up. Um, it's 
think of the end of the world, you know, maybe as demo day, right? You got to get out all the old stuff. It gets destroyed. Why? For the sake of destroying it? No. So the new stuff can be brought in. And so that, that's what's going to happen. Last point here. Um, what happens when Jesus returns? God will be supreme and central. Um, why don't we go ahead and just flip there. Go to Revelation 21, second last chapter of the Bible. Um, I don't know. Go to the end and start flipping backwards till you reach Revelation 21. Chapter 21 what? Uh, we'll start in verse 9. Verse 9. Because it's really small up there. Um, somebody read 9 through 14 for me, which is going to be Owen. And then somebody read 22. We're going to take a jump down to 22 through 27, which is going to be Chloe. And then somebody's going to read 22. Two verses one through five. Just going to be max. All right. So, nine through 14? 21, nine through 14. I meant nine through 14. Yeah, like five verses, six um, verses. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven angels full of seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God having the glory of God in radiance like a most rare jewel like a jasper clear as a crystal he has a great high wall twelve gates and at the gates twelve angels and on the gates the name of Uh, 22 through 26. 27, yeah. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need or need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it life. And its lamp is the lamp. But its light will the nation, by its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and they and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who have who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life bring our brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of God and 
of, and of the Lamb will be in it, and he, his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and the night will be no more, they will need no lamp, light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will live forever and ever. Alright, thanks guys. So, so that's kind of the picture of the end of the Bible. Um, and the big picture here is God reigns supreme. He'll be central in this place, right? Uh, in the first paragraph, right? It's, it's a city of Jerusalem. It's God's city coming down. Um, in, in the middle, right, there's, there's no temple in the city. Why not? Because we don't need a special temple to hold God. God's presence is going to be in the whole, whole city here. Um, you know, there's no, no sun because the Lord God will be their light. God's radiance shining out, it's better than the sun. So we don't need the sun anymore. Um, this, this is how God designed the world to be. An unbroken world has God central. But like bad things happen when, when we don't follow the instructions, right? Like, yeah. Let me come back to that. Ask, I want to answer that, but not right now. Um, and like two slides can be like, okay, free for all questions because I know you have them and you're going to ask that again. So like, I'm sure there's like a BuzzFeed article, like 16 things you're doing wrong because you never read the instructions. And I could give you all sorts of examples. We have like an ice cream, the blue ice cream scoop that broke because like, it's like straight up, like an ice cream scoop should be kind of like curved like this. So you can kind of dig the ice cream out and it's like straight up and down. And so, like, we always used it backwards. And I'm like, this is the worst ice cream scoop ever. Because, like, it, it's just, like, we're not using it how it's designed to. And then, like, the top broke off. And that's what happens if you do things without reading instructions, right? And so when, when Jesus returns and he sets things right, God is supreme and central, just like he should be, when there's no sin in the world. And when that happens, he undoes everything that the curse has caused. Um, you know, the presence of God is with there. We skipped over verse 16, which is bad planning on my part. But like it says in verse 16 that the entire city, it's going to be a cube of about 1,380 miles on every side, tall, wide, long. Um, any other famous cubes in the Bible? That's a that's a stretch for Bible trivia. Famous cubes in the book. Cube. Cube, right? Cube. Six sides. Cube. Same size every every part. This is an Old Testament. I'm sure This is straight up Leviticus. I thought I think it's something. Oh, oh. I got Ellis. Owen, Max, Bible Cube, the Evangelic Cube, where you're like flipping, it's like the cross and Jesus. Well, yeah. Famous Cube? You got a famous cube in the Bible? Not famous. Max has a famous cube. Is it the thing that they split the goat on to sacrifice? The, the, um, the, the, what is that called? The Ark of the Covenant? No, you're getting warmer. We're getting warm, not just because the fire eating up the goat either. So, 
Is it like the holy of the holy? The holy of so if you go in the temple, right, or you go in the tabernacle, it's going to be three times as long as it is wide. This is the courts out here, and then this back section, which is one by one by one, it's a cube. It's the holy of holies where you have the ark of the covenant. Um, and once a year, the high priest only, after doing a whole bunch of ceremonial rites and purifications, could go in and make sacrifice. But if anyone else gets close to it, they die because their sinful bodies can't deal with the holiness of God. So when the temp come on. So when the when the new heavens and the new earth come down, like a cube, it's saying like we are now, our whole city is the Holy of Holies. This isn't for one guy once a year after doing all of these rites. This is for all God's people all the time. We're in the presence of God. God is central. He's supreme in everything. Um, and there's only good stuff there, right? Uh, we have a bunch of gates in the city, but like the gates are never going to be shut. Why would you shut gates of a city? Like nobody lives in there. Yeah, to protect it. We're leaving the gates wide open. Why? Nothing to be afraid of. There's no, there's no crime. No one's coming to attack us. Um, nothing clean, nothing clean, unclean exists. There's no evil. There's no uncleanness. Um, there's a river. Any, anybody know where there's lots of rivers in the Bible? We're going to Old Testament again. Okay, the Nile. How about a river um, with things like trees and fruit? Garden of Eden. Four rivers coming out. Lots of fruit. Um, give me some specific trees in the Garden of Eden. And in the city, we have the, the tree of life. Is this like, hey, you guys sinned, you're out of the garden so you don't eat the tree of life anymore? That's what happened in Genesis 3. What's the tree of life for in Revelation? It's bearing its fruit each month, 12 different kinds of fruit. I don't know how that works for 12 different months. Fantastic. Um, and the leaves are here for the healing of the nations. Anybody know any nations that need healing? Trick question. All of them, right? Yeah. And like, instead of Jesus saying, stay away from the tree, you can't eat this. He's saying, come, come, eat, come and take. We're back at the garden. The garden wasn't the temple. Now we have the presence of God in the garden. This, this is better than the garden of Eden. And it comes when Jesus returns. Um, we have everything in the curse undone. Where God was cast aside with sin, now he's back in the middle. He's central. He's supreme. And we get our joy for him and we live with him forever. And so, man, I took way too long on this. So the Bible holds out like these amazing pictures of the future. Um, a lot of times when we think of the future, we're like, it's weird. There is, um, there is everyone dies and destruction and quiet and culture's gone and I'm going to miss anime. But like, I guess Jesus comes back and like the new earth is cool with perfect bodies, but also judgment. Um, we're, yes, that's true. But also we get amazing promises. Like we get to see Jesus in glory. We're going to be changed. 
so that we can have everlasting, increasing pleasure. Uh, the universe, creation, will be freed from its bondage, and God will be supreme and central, and we will get to enjoy his presence. Uh, so where is heaven and the new heavens and the new earth? It's here. It's with, it's with God's people. Jesus and the glory of God are with his people forever. And so the Bible says, like, hey, life's hard. I get it. Sin's real. I get it. The struggle against sin is hard. It's not easy to be a Christian, but you know what? You might want to try. You might want to persevere because for those who trust in Christ, there is lots of good things to come. So just, just hold on. Like we sang that new song a week ago. I don't know if you know it. Um, we're almost home. We're almost home. Don't drop an anchor. We're almost home. Like we don't talk that way. We don't talk like, hey, yeah, you're 14, but it's cool. You're going to die one day. And then you'll like, we, we just don't talk like that. But man, there is a glorious hope coming for those who are in Christ. So whatever the hardships are, whatever your hangups of becoming a Christian are, like deal with them, get over them. Talk to your friends, talk to me. Let, let's, let's persevere to the end because great things happen when Jesus returns. All right. So we got 10 minutes and it's the end of the world. Everybody has questions. Let's go.